start today with a guided meditation together. Taking those moments of care at the beginning of the sitting to really find your way into your posture, your meditation posture, and the sense of the posture itself as resource. The unfolding of our experience, if you like, within the posture, framed, contained, held. So finding that balanced sense, openness, uprightness, softness, presence. groundedness. Acknowledge this movement of kindness that practice is, this offering of kindness to oneself. Whatever other agendas might be lurking, the inner critic, the measuring, comparing of self, the proving of self-worth. Just letting go of all that. This is simply kindness. It's simply a gift. Simply caring for ourselves and through that, that care flows into the world and caring for the world. Receive with the awareness whatever is prominent, to notice whatever is prominent in the body, 
whatever feelings or sensations or whatever is going on there in terms of experience, just noticing what's prominent. Might be strongly prominent or just whatever's the most prominent. Might not be a lot going on, but whatever it is. Anywhere in the body, anywhere. Could be along this central axis, might be anywhere else. Just connecting with it, with the awareness, touching it with the attention, intimate with it. Just knowing it with the mindfulness, with awareness. And then this sensation or area of sensation, this experience, this perception, this feeling, how fully can it be allowed? So really allowing it, allowing it to be there, really putting the emphasis on completely welcoming it and letting it be there, opening to it, as fully as possible, Full allowing. Is it possible to keep allowing, to draw close to whatever's prominent and keep allowing it? Really emphasizing above everything else, more important than the clarity of awareness, allowing whatever it is, over and over, 100% welcoming. So this is kindness as allowing, kindness to the phenomena of experience. Being kind to the experience by completely welcoming it, completely allowing it to be, giving it space. Softening around it.
And now we're not so much opening up the big space as before, not so much that. Rather, whatever is prominent in this moment, drawing close and then really emphasizing the allowing, making it all about the allowing. Over and over. Touching the experience and full fullness of allowing. <coughs> Something in the relationship with this experience melts, melts. Just over and over again, this movement of kindness towards experience, kindness melting, softening around experience, to welcome, welcome, even to invite, to invite this experience, these feelings, these sensations. So just as fully as possible in this moment, opening, opening to this experience, whatever it is, how total, how complete can the acceptance of this moment of whatever experience is, how total can that be? How complete? Just this moment again and again.
for now we are not so interested in how clearly we can observe something. We're not so interested in the clarity of awareness right now. Just this allowing, this softening to allow. Again and again. Staying connected with the feeling, the sense, the sensations in the body. But whatever phenomena arise, whatever phenomena, drawing close with the attention and then fully welcoming them, energetically softening to really receive as totally as possible to allow as fully as possible just melting any rigidity as much as you can that comes in relationship to experience allowing Fully letting be.
whatever is there in the moment, softening, opening, melting to allow, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant or not particularly either, whatever it is, a feeling of contraction, a feeling of ease, whatever it is, allowing it, touching and fully allowing It's a state, a feeling of happiness or unhappiness, or neither. Whether it's gross or subtle. Over and over, softening, softening to allow, to welcome. All the emphasis is on the allowing, the softening, the welcoming. We don't care about the precision of the perception right now, of the awareness. So if an experience seems to blur a little bit or get fuzzy or indistinct or to fade somewhat, Completely not a problem. Completely not a problem. Just keep allowing whatever's there, welcoming. Softening.
What did you notice? Anybody? Someone here? Yeah. I found I could connect to fear without getting fearful. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, um, uh, it just was different. Uh I didn't get any emotions around it. And by the end or somewhere along the line, it simply felt human. Human, yeah. Yeah. And I just stood there upright. I felt like I was standing. Mm. And I was just human. Mm. Mm. Lovely. Good. Yeah. So, Julia. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And that felt helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to repeat what Juliet said. Um, that uh, she found the word soften very helpful because she realized that there's a kind of um, trying to keep experience away or at bay, at, at arm's length, so to speak. And softening allows them to kind of melt into her. Um, and then that's what would happen. They would melt, and then something else would come up. And with each softening, the experience would, would melt like that. Okay. Uh, yes, please. Yeah, I noticed that too. And it was the, the idea of not focusing on the awareness yeah. or on the allowance yeah. that really seemed to help yeah. the dissolving of, of the experience and then arising in the next. Okay, very good. Yeah. Could everyone hear that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, humdy hum. <laughs> um, did it feel at least a little bit helpful? And do you understand what we're getting at here? Um, <clears throat> when we say mindfulness, uh, it's a big word. Mindfulness. It's got a lot of stuff in it, uh, a lot of aspects to it. Um, if we pick up, what, what's your name with the last comment? Yeah. Jen, yeah. Uh, Jen's comment just now. You know, mindfulness has um, the capacity, obviously, to pay attention and to be precise in what it's noticing, and that's what it does. But it also has this quality of allowing and accepting. And so, what what is it to practice really emphasizing that quality of allowing and forgetting about the other half? And we tend to think, well, if I'm being mindful, I must be allowing. We've used allowing from day one on this retreat. But it, uh, something else begins to open up if we really emphasize the allowing aspect of mindfulness. Make sense? Okay, so how are we going to go about this now? Um, let me say a little bit about anger and fear and then come back to what we've just done. If that, It's all connected, but I'm just trying to navigate through the material here. Um, Anger and fear, very common human experiences, difficult human emotions. They both have quite a lot in, they have quite a lot in common. When there's anger or fear, we're usually aversive to the experience of anger or fear. We're usually afraid of fear. And we usually have anxiety about getting anxious. And that's, that's a movement of aversion. We want to get rid of this unpleasant churning of fear, etc. It's a very un- uncomfortable feeling. We want to get rid of it. 
when there's anger as well, it's a heat, it's a pressure, it feels uncomfortable, we want to get rid of it. That, that's why sometimes people just shout, because it's like I feel like I want to get it out of here and out there. Uh, so there's a pressure that feels uncomfortable. And to, towards that discomfort, there's uh, aversion. We, we push it away. But the more we push anger and fear away, it's like the more they burn. The more that, that pushing away is part of the whole mechanism of anger and fear. Do you understand? It's not a secondary reaction. It's part of the whole show. It's, we could say aversion to the experience of anger or fear is a necessary ingredient for anger or fear. Not, it's not like something that's kind of optional on the side. It's a necessary ingredient. And one way of practicing with anger and fear is to really emphasize the, the kind of allowing that we just did. The physical sensations, the, the, the agitation, the pressure, the, the churning that's there. And really, really allow uh, that discomfort to be there on the physical level. Allowing is a quietening, a softening of aversion, Right? It's allowing is the opposite of aversion. Does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> um, and and what, what will happen eventually is that the anger or the fear will quieten, subside, because we're not feeding it with what it needs, which is aversion. Does that make sense? Another common property between anger and fear is contractedness of mind. So I'm just throwing this out now. Um, it's a bit like, um, you know, when you, I think there's a law from basic physics, when you um, put pressure on something, when you contract it like a gas, it actually heats up. Same thing with fear and anger. They're contracted states of mind, and that very contraction causes more agitation, more heat. So another possibility is opening up space, like we've been doing with anger and fear, and really letting it bubble away uncomfortably in that space then we're taking off the pressure and the temperature goes down. Do you understand? Do you understand? Yeah. So spaciousness and allowing, really, really helpful. Um, one more thing about anger. Um, oftentimes with anger, it's almost like there's more to it than meets the eye at first, especially if something's happened. We might be... Um, full of this kind of very agitated feeling. It's like the, the waves on the ocean, very frothing and turbulent. Um, and underneath, if I can just stay with that difficulty, that frothing on the surface, the very agitated feeling, if I can just stay with it and allow it, sometimes what happens is um, it, it begins to kind of trace a path down to quieter feelings underneath perhaps hurt or grief or sadness, something which the anger is resting upon. And those are the feelings that, as much as the froth, need the attention. They need care and drawing close to and kind of finding out what that's about and what they need. And it's at that level, at connecting with the hurt, that the anger can, and the woundedness perhaps, that the anger can heal and the froth settle. I partly say that about anger and fear because oftentimes they're not experiences that can constrain themselves to the central line. They can take up the whole body, feels like, or a lot of the body feels like it's, it's involved in that. So that's why this allowing and this spaciousness is really helpful. Okay, let's go back to what we just did. Um, 
it felt helpful maybe for a lot of people and if it didn't just then it's just a matter of practicing with it and what does it mean to say it's helpful well if there's difficulty if there's suffering if there's dukkha allowing tends to ease the suffering of what's going on or any suffering the more we allow the more suffering is eased so this is beginning there's an insight right there the suffering that I have in relationship to an experience depends on the presence of aversion or grasping. It's that that's making most of the suffering. Do you get it? Yeah. It's not the thing itself, it's the relationship with it. When we practice allowing, we're relaxing the relationship, we're relaxing aversion and grasping, and the suffering begins to drain out of the experience. It's really significant. We need to see this thousands of times until we really get it. The suffering is in the relationship. It's not in the thing. The more I allow, the more I'm relaxing the relationship, and with that, the suffering can, can relax out of it. But there's more here. Uh, yes, please. Uh, because that's what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of easing suffering. Uh, that's really important. That's everything that practice is about, is about easing suffering. I'm confused which arrow is which. Okay, the whole arrow thing is uh, a provisional teaching. So maybe it will make more sense after what I've said. Um, what's confusing you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you say, by doing that, the pain will diminish. Okay, so then, just in terms of what I've said just so far, what we're saying is, the second arrow, did, did you use the story of the arrow at some point? You did, yeah. Um, the second arrow is diminishing because I'm not reacting to it. The second arrow is about reactivity. So when we're allowing suffering, we're uh, ducking out the way of the second arrow in a very gradual way. You understand? I'm just allowing it to be whatever it is and the second arrow of what's painful goes out. And one actually sees that most of the pain with things is from second arrows. It's from reactivity. Does that make sense? Okay. But I'm going to add something else which is a little bit more involved. Now, already on the retreat, we've uh, right from the beginning, we've talked about that the way of looking at something... Um, affects what the experience is. So, you know, when we did that exercise of, can I just see this thing, uh, whatever it is, whatever's going on is perfect. And some people are reporting, oh, actually, there's a whole different experience unfolds when I re- regard it as perfect rather than when I'm judging it. Or when I put things in a different context or give them more space or etc. When I allow phenomena, when there's an allowing of phenomena, as I said, there's, what's happening is there's a quietening of aversion and grasping. That's just another way of saying what allowing is. And as several people, it's quite interesting, and I'm, I'm aware of introducing something quite early. It's something I'd usually only introduce on a, on a much longer retreat, but I'm throwing it out now because it might, it might be helpful. Um, some people reported, when I allow this thing, as, uh, as we were saying, the second arrow of reactivity, that level of suffering quietens, but something else might happen, which is the experience itself might melt. 
it might melt and kind of blur and fade and grow indistinct. And several people were reporting that. My feet disappeared, this thing melted, or uh, etc. So here was this uh, pain, whatever it was, emotional, physical, whatever. One's looking at it, one allows, and the pain of the reactivity, that level, drains. And then if I keep allowing and keep allowing, sometimes what happens is the experience itself dissolves right there. Okay, does this make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah? They're opposites. Um, in the sense of, oh, you mean how can you tell whether you're allowing or whether you're... It's a sense of really letting something be there is, is allowing. And then no matter what happens, it's fine. Um, if something disappears, I think if you're, if you're really in this practice, if you're really emphasizing practicing allowing you, you, and something disappears, you don't have to guess that you've repressed it. You can be clear what you're doing. There's, it's clear. I look inside. There's no repression going on. Repression is a very different attitude and feeling. So I can sometimes make something disappear through trying to repress it. Oftentimes I try to repress it, it comes up even stronger because the exact opposite of what I'm talking about is happening. I have aversion to something and I feed it, like I said, with the anger and fear. But this is allowing and it disappears. And a person might think, oh, I must be repressing it. But if you're really honest and look inside, that's not what's going on. A person might think, well, just things are impermanent and so they fade which is true, but they fade for a reason. They fade because we're not feeding them through the aversion. Yeah. Um, so something very, very curious is going on. And this is maybe not that easy to follow, but the experience itself is being constructed through my relationship with it. It's being fabricated through my relationship with it. Do you understand what I mean if I say that? The experience itself, if I see this over and over, uh, the more I allow, the more things fade. It's a very curious thing to notice in practice. The more I allow, the more things dissolve and and fade. Uh, This is going deeper into this practice now, apart from the second arrow uh, dissolving a little bit. Uh, What that means, the insight there is the experience itself is being constructed by the relationship. Do you remember what we were talking about quantum mechanics the other day? Actually, something in the relationship is making the experience. Without aversion and grasping, um, an emotion or a sensation or this perception of whatever it is, it can't constellate. It's as if the aversion and the grasping are, are making it something solid and distinct, making it into a thing. So we tend to intuitively believe, I have this emotion first, and then later comes my relationship to it. It could be a relationship of allowing, or um, dislike, or judging, or whatever. But the, the thing is, the emotion, or whatever, that's there first. That's a given. And then later comes this relationship, and that's fine. It does what it does. But actually, more we see that something else is going on. doesn't exist independently of my relationship with it. Is this making any sense at all? Yeah. Um, a thing, an experience, a perception doesn't exist independent of my relationship with it, independent of the way of looking at it, independent of the mind. Something very, very curious is going on here. And this is 
part, this is one way in to the teachings of emptiness. It's saying, when we say something's empty, it's empty of existing independently of my way of looking at it. My way of looking at something is partly what constellates something. In fact, it is what constellates something. So it's quite a it's quite a different way of understanding, uh, and I'm just introducing now. And as I said, I'm aware of very much introducing something way earlier than I would uh, usually, but it's partly an experiment. And and today, you know, in the practice, uh, if you want to, you can move into this gear. And really, what we're really doing is emphasizing allowing. All the emphasis in the practice is on allowing when you're doing this particular, what we've just introduced. Not so much about the precision and the noticing and the clarity of awareness. Allowing, allowing. 150% on allowing. And just doing that, coming close to something, doing that over and over. And maybe, maybe uh, something gets a little softer and then just keep allowing and keep allowing. See what happens with this, this experience and then maybe another experience where you stay with one experience. So, it's just another possibility that you might find helpful. And even if this, so there's two levels of this. If we go back to the arrow analogy, um, one level is just that the suffering of it, the, re, in the, the, the suffering that's bound up in the reactivity to what's going on, that eases. That's the second arrow that Chris was talking about. That much eases when we allow because we're relaxing the reactivity. And that much is great, absolutely great. And to see that over and over again is really crucial, really crucial. And, I'm saying, because some people already noticed it, there's another level even, which is even more mysterious, about the nature of perception itself and the nature of emotion itself and all of this. So, there's possibilities to explore here and discover. Does that make enough sense to, to play with at least? Mm-hmm. You saying try to keep focusing on, on that in order to move to the next point. Yeah, very good. So Juliet's asking if if you focus on an experience, let's say it's difficult, but it could be also lovely or just neither here nor there, you know. So whatever it is, focus on it and you allow it, allow it, and it fades. Um, the question is, should you then keep focusing on that thing as it's fading or go to some other thing? Um, both, either. It's very interesting what happens if you stay with something that's become a little bit less intense, more blurred, less you know, in your face and problematic, and stay with allowing that, see where that goes. So that's one possibility, really interesting to do. Or, yeah, this fades a little bit, and then, and then something else comes and becomes prominent, and you could do that. So both are good. Yeah. Please. I think I know the answer, I just want to be really sure. That it's, um, it's right. A tempting prospect that by allowing yeah. the first arrow <laughs> yeah. will go away. Yeah. But my intention yeah. Yeah. should not be on that. Yeah, exactly. Very good. And you know the answer. Yeah. And that a little bit relates to what um, Catherine was saying. So once you begin to see this, you go, aha, now I've got a trick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have to be very careful. I, I think what's being shown here is so counterintuitive and kind of radical that it's like, can I let my curiosity be the intention about, about um, in, in my relationship with, with what's going on rather than this sneaking, if I allow it, it will go away, which is basically aversion <laughs> t- 
dressed up in in that spiritual guise, you know. So yeah, it will it will creep in. No, no question about it. You just have to be vigilant and and let that go and see. Can I really come back to this? What I would call authentic allowing, completely. So allowing means like oftentimes with the words letting go and letting be. Letting be is sometimes more helpful because it means letting it be. And if it wants to stay exactly as it is, fine. If it wants to get stronger, also fine, because I'm letting it be, I'm allowing it. And if it wants to fade, fine. So I have to be really sure that we're letting it be completely however it appears. That's the secret. And, and yeah, it will drift from that, for sure. But that's okay. And you bring, you bring it back. Um, okay, yeah. Very good. So that's actually quite important. What I've noticed is words actually do have quite a big effect. So allowing, obviously, is not working for you or, or, or Anna. So welcoming, softening, inviting, embracing, embracing great, opening, l- loads of things, letting be. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Just throwing out lo- lots of words, and there's probably more we could catch. Just, but just find, as as always with practice, to find what works with you, and you can sense when something's just giving you that sense of, ah, yes, it's working now, and then that's your ticket. Different from someone else. Totally, totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, to might one then um, allow the fact that you really want the feeling that you really want to go away? Yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Very, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, you, you, you actually find if you get into this particular practice that there's all kinds of things that you would never even have thought of that you could even have a relationship of allowing with. So it's something like allowing the desire for something to go away, allowing aversion, allowing resistance, allowing, allowing, allow, you know. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, it, it gets subtle, but you have, to, you have to go play with it and see what works for you. Um, and as always, again, some people will find, well, this, this isn't really very interesting or helpful for me. So there's, uh, you have choices. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about holding is also it can work. Sometimes it might mean holding something in place. But but if it works for you, if it, if, yeah, yeah, because we started with that as well, you know, yeah. Play with it and see, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you can yeah you're talking about in the practice we just did yes. yes yes yeah that's a really important point um 
short of being here all day, I'm not sure, uh, because there's another whole angle to go in at this, is which is the, the doer and the self that's in relationship with things. So it's the self that doesn't want to allow things, it's always reacting. But letting that die down, there's automatic allowing. You know, so less self, things are allowed, because there's no one for it to be a problem to. So that's a whole other, other way in. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I was also going to throw out today because really the weather looks very uncertain what it's going to uh, be doing on there's blue sky and there's um, looks like it's going to rain again so um, go for a walk especially if it's raining today uh, there's something quite key about this rain, grey sky etc aversion I don't want I don't want to get cold it's hard to be aversive to something like that purely physical without that actually closing the heart so we think we can get away with this in life that I'll just be a little bit pushing away of discomfort but actually has an effect on the heart interestingly but to go out and and go kind of through that aversion a little bit um, has it has an effect to to actually open the heart keep it open if I'm not reacting to this unpleasantness that might be there. So the, the, the heart is influenced by all kinds of things that we might not actually uh, realize are significant. Is this being recorded? Uh, yeah. Why? Okay, good. So we've got a walking period now. Do we need a group now? or, or? What's that? Okay, I'm, I'm going to be in the lounge. The groups are at the same time, and there's interviews and stuff as well. Otherwise, sitting and walking through the day, and you've got a lot of stuff to play with now. Don't get overwhelmed. You know, find what works for you, and, and give it a shot, you know, and work with it, and see what opens. Okay?